demystifying the role of the network engineer with Knox Hutchinson. Episode 66. Welcome back, my friends, nerds, geeks, and ziglets out there. We have another episode of the ZigBits Network Design Podcast, where zigabytes are faster than gigabytes. As always, our goal is to provide you with real-world context. Today, I have an outstanding show for you. I have my friend uh, Knox Hutchinson here, and he's going to share some insights. And and honestly, we're going to define what the network engineer role is. We're going to demystify it. We're going to share all that light, and we're going to talk about what really matters to you about the network engineer role. So I don't like to do these intros too long, so enough about me talking. Knox, thanks, man, for joining me today. I sincerely appreciate it. How are you doing? I am doing so good, and I can't tell you how much I appreciate being on your show. I've listened to it for a while now, and it's just really, really cool to be a part of it and to be able to jump in and you know just have this conversation, have this dialogue, and try and reach out to meet more people. No, this is great. I, you know, I saw you on, on YouTube and I saw you in the, obviously the A1 side of things. So if anyone hasn't heard of the art of network engineering, um, as a podcast and, and Knox has been on their show, um, it's really a great community. So if you haven't seen that, you should definitely jump on the, uh, discord channel and their site. I can put it in the show notes and all that stuff. Um, but you know, Knox, uh, I've been looking to get you on the show for a couple of weeks now, honestly. Um, and I think your content's been outstanding. Uh, I think you provide some great perspective and real real realism realism yeah realism to to this industry right you you provide real it's not it's not fake it's not fluffy right and i think that's outstanding uh for everyone yeah i i try to be as honest as possible without crossing a line let's put it that way (laughs) And, and just tell people like this is honestly what i think the right solution is or this is honestly what i think you know you should be doing right now in your journey um, rather than just kind of giving that same, like what I call coach speak, you mm-hmm. know, when coaches are being interviewed on the sideline, they all say the exact same thing every single time. That's, that's what you kind of get a lot from really any industry, but not this industry isn't different. So when I'm on, when I'm being interviewed or when I'm talking on YouTube or in my own nuggets, it's really like just coming from the heart, coming from the gut and trying to put it out there. Yeah, that that real and that raw ism. I'm gonna make up words today, I guess. Um, <laughs> hey, you know what? That's what we do. So as long as it's fun, um, I, I think that's critical, right? Um, I think there's so much salesy stuff, and that's the best word I can think of: marketing and salesy stuff out there, especially in our industry here. As network engineers and architects and designers, every salesperson adds new sales language, right? Um, mm-hmm. And they change the terminology, or not change the terminology. They take our terminology and they make it a sales terminology. I mean, that's what yeah. happened with a whole bunch of technology like software-defined WAN and uh, intent-based networking. I mean, all those terms that are out there today that architects, designers, and engineers started creating, uh, those sales components kind of took them over. So, Yep, yep. Important pieces too. Yeah, yeah, exactly, <laughs> right, right? Um, <laughs> so, you know, let's just jump right into some of these topics, right? So I like to ask this yep. question from the start. You know, what is your um, definition or how do you want to structure this answer? But, you know, what is a network engineer to you? Okay. So, I mean, my experience as a network engineer is going to be different from a lot of, probably very different from your experience as a network engineer, because my experience in IT was servicing very small to medium-sized businesses. So this, for me, my experience was never supporting a gigantic enterprise that was multi, well, I did have some multi-state environments, but they were still small. Um, But you know, it's not like supporting a gigantic college campus with 
hundreds of thousands of people or devices or whatever. That's not been my experience. So to demystify what is the purpose of a network engineer, like everything in IT, the answer is it depends, mm -hmm. right? To me, uh, the network engineer has been someone who makes all of our applications or all of our systems and components talk to each other correctly, but also securely. Um, so, you know, thinking about like the small mom and pop shop, uh, you know, maybe one to five employees, small business, maybe one server uh, that's, you know, got ESXi on it and a couple VMs. A network engineer for them is not a very complex network engineer. At best, you might have three or four VLANs, maybe one for voice, maybe one for management, maybe one for security, and then yep. data. And that's it. Um, and you could even take that. Let's say they add two or three more branches, and there's uh, within the same city, and then there's still only five employees at each branch. The network is almost copy and paste, you know, from one branch to the next. So it's still not very complicated, uh, and that's been. Um, a pretty large amount of my experience as a network engineer was supporting businesses like that. Uh, I think our largest business had 200 employees. The average business had 25. This was back okay. in my MSP days, by the way. Um, <laughs> so, you know, it's, uh, and then, you know, maybe a couple of those uh, clients had, um, you know, their main HQ, and then they had a data center that they maybe replicated data to, or that's where their apps were hosted or whatever. Uh the thing that I'll say is that, you know, a network engineer for an MSP who supports small businesses is different from a network engineer for an MSP that supports large businesses, which is different from a network engineer at, say, a university, which is just managing one large enterprise. So uh, for me, my experience of a network engineer was actually someone who didn't just stop at networking. Mm -hmm. It was, you know, not only just making the components talk to each other with the network, but it was also supporting the components. It was also understanding the servers and all of the other architect, even developing applications. You're, so you're doing uh, everything. It, 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 it yeah. Well, so, I mean, that's kind of it. At small MSPs, you are, you do everything. So there were, I mean, there were weeks where I did nothing but work the help desk. Then there were weeks where it was, you know, swapping out production firewalls at the largest client. So, you know, and then there were weeks where we were deploying new servers, uh, making sure that, you know, they were pointed to the SANS correctly, brought into the Veeam environment, mm -hmm. and backing up and replicating and testing backups. And then there were whole months where I just did nothing but the SQL DBA hat. Oh, wow. So, so I mean, you know, it's, 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 the it, it depends, again, is kind of my answer here. It depends on uh, what your job is or what your job entails. I think, though, traditionally, if I were answering this question, like, what is a network? Like, if I were talking to, like, my cousin who's in college now, and they don't know any of this stuff yep. about, like, what jobs are really out there and what's all these nuances to what, like, networking could be. If I were just telling them what is a network engineer, uh, I would say they're the people who make the internet and the services within an environment work. They're the people who connect the buildings together and make sure that this person can access this application. A lot of that is actually handled within the network. The, the kicker though, man, is that this, everything in the last 12 to 24, I mean, I guess it's been going on for more than that, but really in the last 12 months, 12 and a half months, 18 months, um, it feels like, after cert apocalypse, 
taking it a step back. I, I keep getting ahead of myself. <laughs> taking it one more step back. Like, look at how much influence the Cisco certification program has on the industry in general. Oh, yeah. Like, it really can point everybody in the direction of their career path. So in the last 18 months, we've gone from learning routing and switching now to learning enterprise networks, right? That's and correct. all of a sudden, we, the, the entire point of this podcast is to demystify the network engineer. Now the network engineer is getting mystified again. <laughs> yep. Because we've got, because we've got SD-WAN and SD-Access. Exactly. We've got SD-WAN, SD-Access, DevNet, and uh, all of these new things that are being dumped onto the traditional network engineer who was just routing and switching. And that's why we're having this conversation, right? What is yep. it to like today? What is it going to be like a year from now? And I think we can we can unpack that a little bit, right? So a couple of things just to, to have some connections, right? So my first job twenty years ago was at a school district, and um, there was there was a, a network admin. I'm doing air quotes, and no one can see it, right? There was a network admin, um, and I was his network engineer. It wasn't even a network engineer role. I think it was like system admin or something. And mm -hmm. I did everything, like help desk, uh, tickets, mm -hmm. uh, rolled out switches, rolled out servers. I went to every computer in the school district and updated, you know, the software manually. They didn't have a network, right? We didn't have a network first. We had to build the network. Um, but that's 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 in 20 years ago, and, and that's your everything, right? And I think that actually happens a lot, at least in my mm -hmm. career. Not to go through my entire career, but. Um, <laughs> I would say the last two roles in my career have been specifically networking, maybe three. The rest of mm -hmm. my career has been, you know, everything, right? Even though you're yeah. assistant ad, system admin or network admin or whatever title, right? I was doing, I was doing everything. Um, and, and I thrived there. I thrived, but you mm -hmm. didn't really get a chance to focus on one thing, right? Mm -hmm. I couldn't specialize in one thing. I could, mm -hmm. I could be good at everything. Good, but not great. Does that make sense? Yep. hundred uh, percent. I mean, yeah. that, that matches my experience with it too. And it's not to say that I didn't like having a taste of everything because there was this nagging sense in the back of my head. Like I was rock solid with Cisco and Juniper networking, but then there were guys who were better than me at Windows Server or ESXi. And the competitive side of me was like, I, I don't like handing off my projects. Yep. I don't like yep. handing off my work. I want to take a project from end to end on my own. So it was nice to fill in those gaps and it was nice to get that experience. But the flip side of that was, is that within one specific topic like Cisco networking, there was always going to be someone out there who was better than me because they were truly dedicated to doing just that. No, exactly. That was exactly my situation as well. Um, just different time frames, you know. And then the other thing you mentioned is like the small environments, right? So mm -hmm. yes, I may not have been in a small environment as my my day job um, the last twenty years. Everything's pretty been been pretty big. Um, even the military was big networks, big installations, big deployments. Um, I mean, probably five to ten thousand users um, is the mm -hmm. small numbers. But then I, I did work at a Cisco partner, uh, a value added reseller, a VAR, whatever whatever terminology we want to use for for them, right? Mm -hmm. And 
you know, that that specific partner in the region I was in focused was on the sled market. And I don't know if you know what the sled is and I can abbreviate it. So sled is, um, it's all salesy, right? It's uh, so state, uh, local education, uh, mm-hmm. and then higher education, right? So it's all local government, all those things. And so you get mm-hmm. a lot of, um, schools, you get a lot of schools and, and whatnot, and it's K through 12 and you get higher ed as well. Well, a lot of the K through 12s in the area that I was working with were like what you said, like there's one switch or maybe there's one router and one firewall mm-hmm. and there's a switch in every, you know, classroom or, or in every IDF or whatever. That's the yep. scale, right? And these are not high end high speed running any software defined solution these are you know cheap 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 get them vlans and one router and out to the internet right and that's what we had to do so very basic stuff and then and then now that in the recent years they they transition these small businesses are transitioning over to unify and meraki because they are cheap 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 they are software defined and msps uh can manage their entire client portfolio from one login so this goes back to that original thing that the role of the network engineer is getting mystified again because of software-defined networking and automation and SD-WAN and SD-Access. Even though that these weren't like hugely sophisticated solutions, they were really, really good solutions for small to medium-sized businesses and for MSPs. It was really nice for me to log into you know dashboard.meraki.com and then be able to select the client from a dropdown and then check off a VPN and then there you go. Now you got done. Second, yeah, I mean, it's like you click save and it took me 30 seconds to deploy a VPN. I mean, it's, it's I mean, it had, there was no on site. There was yep. no trip charge. It was huge value add. The whole thing cost less than a thousand bucks. So you know? yeah, there's a cost, right? Right. There's a monetary cost, but there's a time cost too, right? What that took you five minutes, right? If that exactly. Right. And exactly. then, and then my question on that, just to, did you know VPNs before that? Like, did you know anything about VPNs before that? You might've, mm-hmm. um, but someone yeah. doesn't need to know potentially how to configure a VPN in that situation. You know, you could have yeah. someone that's junior going into the dashboard and clicking that checkbox and it's like a script, mm-hmm. not a, not a command line script or a DevOps script, right? But a, yeah. a, a script in Word document form that they follow to enable a VPN connection for a site when the question comes up. Yeah. And really all you have to do is tell them that you're connecting two sites together securely. That, like that's they don't it. even need to know the, the acronym VPN. Like, yeah. Like, it, <laughs> so we, we I, I, there's so many things that we could talk about, right? It's, it's interesting that like that, that example right there, we actually obfuscate the technology. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and now we could potentially offload those tasks to someone that doesn't know the technology. Right. Mm-hmm. It really comes down. I mean, I, I even equate it to like guest Wi Fi access, right? Like guest Wi Fi access gets offloaded to like the reception of a building, right? Or of a, a company or whatever. And so mm-hmm. your IT staff doesn't even have to provision guest access anymore. All those things yep. were offloading those works and those flows. Um, there was one thing you mentioned, and I'd like to, to articulate this as well. So, you know, obviously we're going to demystify the network engineer. We're going to do our best, right? Things change every day, right? So there could be some new software-defined solution that revelize, re, uh, not revelize, revolutionizes the industry tomorrow, and now the role changes again even drastically. Well, we could revel in that. Right, right, <laughs> exactly. Um, but I think there's some interesting things that you said about you know, you're, you're finding solutions for a business and in that Meraki solution, not to highlight a specific vendor solution, but the, mm-hmm. the example you provided, you know, it was a cost-effective solution. It, prov- it gave them the means, what they needed 
right? What the organization, I would usually call it business, needed mm -hmm. to be successful. I mean, and, and when we start talking about design, because I'm sure we will at some point, like that right there is design, right? That is mm -hmm. uh, in the nutshell or in a summary form, that's design because you're solving the problem, you're making it cost effective, mm -hmm. whatever the, the requirements came from the business, you're making it happen. Mm -hmm. Well, and that's, that's kind of what the purpose of the MSP was. I'll never forget the first Meraki deployment we did. It was early on. Uh, I had been with the MSP for maybe a month at that point. And like I had only seen a proof of concept of Meraki. Wow. So we get a cold call, like a client calling us out of the blue saying like, hey, we, we, you know, we don't have IT staff. Our one IT guy just quit. We need help right now. So we went out to look at their their business. Basically, what their business was was kind of like an urgent care clinic. Um, so if you think about the typical urgent care clinic, it's going to be one floor. It might have 10 employees, and it goes back again to that five VLAN situation. But this urgent care clinic had a location in every major city across the state. So immediately, I was thinking not only for the client, but also for our staff, I was like, if we put out a Meraki MX-64, which is going to be a few hundred bucks uh, in every site, we could literally click the full mesh button, check off IPsec, you know, and all of a sudden they've got full tunnel connectivity because what they had prior to that was just a gigantic rat's nest. Oh, wow. So we could go to the client and say, we can get you cloud-hosted firewall services, SD-WAN, application-aware uh, firewall policies, geographic filtering, automatic VPN services. This is a solution that literally anyone in our staff can support. That's a key thing because from MSP, you got to start as a manager. You have to think like, who in my staff is going to be able to support the solution when the client calls in? Now anyone can because it's so stinking easy. Yeah. And yeah. like they're looking, you know, for all of these sites, they're looking at like under three grand or something like that. Oh, wow. I mean, it was just it was just a no brainer type of situation. And that was the first time we deployed Meraki. We deployed it across the state. You know, there was one on site trip where we drove across the state, plugged it in, you know, <laughs> checked off the box and made sure the VPN came to life. And next thing we know, we have a way from the dashboard portal into each one of their sites across the state. It was dirt cheap. We met the client's requirements, we improved on their environment, and we now had a solution that the entire staff could support. No, those are great. I mean, that's a great situation right there, right? And that's uh, a network uh, engineer, yeah. right? That's that's right there is a network engineer. And it didn't have to be like this gigantic, robust, sophisticated solution because the enterprise itself was not complicated. Yeah. It was each each site by itself was very simple. So it was I, I don't know. I'll never forget that deployment because then after that, it was like, we're on the SDN chain. Like we're, we're all aboard. Everybody's getting Meraki or Unify or whatever SD, SD supported solution we were pushing at the time was. Yeah. Yeah. No SD. I, I've been to toying with the terminology, uh, SD home, software defined home or software defined, um, remote or, you know, because that's going to be the new term, right? Everyone's at home nowadays, <laughs> right. For the most part. And so yeah. I think I did that on LinkedIn with a few friends the other day, maybe last week, but I, I think some sales guys are going to take that. Like I mentioned the sales marketing, right? They're going to take that term and it's going to be a new product in a month, right? S yeah, soft defined yeah. home or soft defined, um, remote, whatever. <laughs> no, that's, that's great. So maybe, maybe it would be, I was just thinking, right. And again, for everyone knows we did not like, like script this or anything. This is all real. Um, so, you know, we're talking about the network engineer role. And as we have these mm -hmm. conversations, I still kind of adapt or modify my definition in my head. And one of the things that, that I'm thinking here is, um, 
sorry, I'm trying to process it in my head. So like the <laughs> network engineer itself, like they, the, their initial task or maybe the majority of their tasks is to connect users to resources. But that's mm-hmm. what a network does, okay. right? That's what a network does. Um, so their goal is to connect users to resources. I think that would be a summarization of um, the high-level goal that a network engineer has. And maybe I'm wrong um, because there could be – I would think a network admin might be something different. So I think, yeah, I think a network engineer is going to connect users to resources. What do you think? Mm-hmm. I, I really like that. I mean, that's it's very simple but very clean, and it's accurate. I mean, I think that's exactly what it does. Those resources could be internal. Those resources could be external. And there yeah. could be all sorts of requirements around how that connection takes place. But that's what they do at the end of the day. I think you nailed it. Yeah, and I mean, those resources would be anything, right? I mean, it could be applications, services, servers, mm-hmm. other users, right? It's just, a, it's just a placeholder for whatever they're accessing. But I'm trying yeah. to, I've been trying to articulate that, right, over the last few episodes that I've been doing in this series. I think, I think that's a good definition at a high level or at least a good goal for a network engineer, right? I think uh, getting mm-hmm. users to resources is a good goal, and those resources can be whatever they're accessing um but i also think that there's some components that that network engineers do that are like design focused that not all network engineers do so i don't maybe there's some additional not scope creep but but position or title creep right um Mm -hmm. because it's not a hard set rule i don't i mean what do you think i don't think it's a hard set rule yeah and i mean i think it goes back to the you know the environment that you're in again too because those situations where I was like saying, let's do Meraki, it was up to me to design the solution. So, yeah, um, yeah. What, what IP address spaces we were going to use. And, uh, you know, if we were deploying a new application, um, there was all sorts of design that I, uh, so there were times where we, you know, we were doing a firewall swap, but they wanted to keep any connect. So we had to keep the ASA. So we had to create new, you know, IP address pools to route between them. And then we deployed new applications behind that that had to be on separate VLANs for, you know, whatever purposes. And the AnyConnect pool had to connect into those apps. Like, you see what I mean? Yeah. Like, this was still a small MSP where I was doing every position that you could, and there was absolutely a design aspect to it because you have to. Like, that's that's just part of it. That's just the nature of the job. It wouldn't surprise me, though, one bit, even if there was in a large environment or a large enterprise, that that line between the doer and the dreamer started to blur a little bit. Yeah. And the doer would maybe go to the dreamer and say, Hey, we need to do this. And I think this is how we should do it. Or I'm just going to do it on my own. Maybe they just take matters into their own hands and do it. Whereas, you know, the dreamers, you know, like their position is only on the whiteboard and then they hand off the requirements. You know, (laughs) I I don't know. I don't, this is, uh, this is just kind of speculation. I, I just couldn't imagine myself ever being in a position where I'm only an order taker. Um, I, I would have, I would have to be like at some level create, helping design the solution too, because I'm in the trenches. uh, No, I would agree with that. Yeah. I would agree with that too. For me, um, I have to be hands-on at times and I have to be in it. Um, but I think that's passion, right? I think Mm -hmm. I would say if Mm -hmm. you're a network engineer in this industry, you really do need to have passion because you're going to keep learning every day. Um, I think you hit on that, that point there, right? I think that, uh, I think depending on the the company, the vertical that you're in, right? The role network engineer can be a lot of different things. Um, you mm-hmm. could totally be designing and architecting solutions. That's for sure. Um, and I, I mean, I've been in situations or in, in positions where I was a network engineer or a senior network engineer or a principal network engineer, and I'm designing solutions and architecting solutions every day. 
Um, mm-hmm. You know, I th- also think that the design title, when we start talking about, I think that's a fairly realistically new title. Um, mm-hmm. And I think decoupling like like design and architectural work from a network engineer's job title is a fairly relatively new um, goal the last probably 10 years. Mm-hmm. I think, like, I mean, I'll say, like, I think that's one of the coolest things about these new Cisco certification tracks is that now part of the enterprise track, like, it used to be that design was separate from networking, yep. right? There was yep. CCDP and CCNP, and it was one or the other, and now it's not. Now there is, you can get your CCNP with a specialization of design. Uh, I think that's that's actually one of the coolest considerations that Cisco has done at least with the certification tracks, is uh, you know making it more cohesive, bringing it in, bringing everybody into one family. Um, even though the CCIE and the CCDE uh, are rightfully still separate, I love that the enterprise track is not just networking or just design. It could be both. No, that is a great point to make, and I think we we have. Um some correct, correct oh, I can't even say the word. Uh, c- some congratulations in order, though. I think you just recently passed your design certification, right? I did. I did. I passed it two days ago. Nice. And what certification was that? That was the, uh, we call it the Insalad exam, the (laughs) ENSLD, the the Cisco Insalad Designing Enterprise Solutions exam. Uh, And that would be my third enterprise certification in this Nice. Congrats, man. That's awesome. That's awesome. Thanks. Yeah. So, so to your point, I think that the way that Cisco has transitioned the certifications and included design, I think that's a great, great move for them, right? In general, and we're not mm-hmm. specifically here to talk about that. I think that's the, for for us as network engineers and, and architects, that's a great move. Design is a as mm-hmm. a forefront, right? It, it we should know how to design things, or at least know a design methodology earlier in our careers than I think we do. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't mm-hmm. think design's taught. Being a design expert, I don't think design's taught early enough in the career field. I think a lot of us will get like that script from the senior network engineer and and we apply mm-hmm. that script everywhere and then we're like, well, I've always applied that script. That's why I do this. You know, yep. they you know, you just you just deployed something crazy and you don't know why you did it. You just, you know, yep. copied and pasted. And that's what a lot of people do. Um yep. in some forms, right? So to that Long, my long-winded response to that. I think it's a great move forward for that. I think the design aspect is huge. Um, I would say that you know those. I think the design, and you have to correct me. I've never taken those exams, right? So I think the design is really focused uh, potentially on like the low-level stuff. Um, what do you think? Maybe maybe it is high-level. I don't know. I'm I'm a little naive uh, here. So so I actually went live after I took the exam uh, and. My entire out, my entire outlook on the new enterprise certification and how I would prepare for it has completely changed. Oh, what I would actually like if people were interested in going for the CCNP, my recommendation for them is now take the design exam first and then take Encore, because the design exam teaches you uh, you, you don't learn commands in the design textbook or through your studies. You just learn about the protocols. What does this protocol actually do? How does this protocol actually scale? How do you actually secure this protocol? Why would you choose this protocol over the other protocol? You know, learning the theory and the fundamentals, even, you know, on an, on an intermediate level, I would say, uh, that would really, really set you up for success when it comes time to jump into the Encore exam 
and start actually typing the commands and, and learning about it. It's kind of akin to, say, taking the Network Plus before taking the CCNA. Oh, okay. You know, learning learning the OSI stack and what a VLAN is before you type the VLAN command. Um, so that's that's why I, you know, now that I've gone through it, you know, it's kind of a shame that I saved design for last because I should have done it first. Uh, and it really would have introduced me to concepts of how SD-WAN is different from IPsec or, you know, how it uses IPsec or how uh, a use case for DMVPN versus IPsec. Um, and where does SD-WAN fit into that picture? Uh, and then it would have introduced, you know, campus design. And where does SD-Access fit into the campus design picture? Before we just dove straight into, like, here's how Lisp, VXLAN, and Cisco Trustec all come together to make an SD-WAN. Like, that's, you know, that's. <laughs> it, it, I put the cart ahead of the cool, no, uh, I got the, you. ahead of the horse yeah. when, when I did Encore first. And now my, my advice to people is kind of going the opposite direction because I feel like the, the design course starts big picture and Encore is when you start doing, and that gets more narrow in scope. It gets whittled down to focus on what commands do you type to make this come to life. So there you go. That's a great, great, um, I think that's great advice, right? I'll say that, right? And that's yeah, real world advice. Um, and I think that's the way you should do it. I think design should always come first, but that's my own opinion, right? And I'm biased, of course. So <laughs> I'm, I'm very biased on that that front, right? So, um, so I'm going to jump into some other topics if you're cool with it. So you use some examples from that's some right. of your, your experience, right? Um, uh, designing or implementing um, solutions, the Meraki solution or whatnot. Um, and I'm just going to ask some questions. And if they work, they work. And if they don't, they don't. Um, so, so in your experience at the MSP or any other location, um, you know, did you have any dealings with like proof of concepts? Like how did you select Meraki as a solution? Uh, so only a couple times did we deal with proof of concepts and it was almost never with networking solutions. Oh, uh, the Meraki was one of the exceptions to that. It was, uh, actually, you know, it's kind of like the best bait ever with Meraki. If you sit in their 60 minute webinar, they send you a free appliance with mm -hmm. a license. So if you sit in their firewall webinar, uh, as long as you got a legitimate, um, email address, like you'll be getting an MX 60 or 63 or whatever appliance it was with the license ready to rock and roll. And once you do that, the sales rep will reach out to you and say, would you like to trial any of the other, try any of the other products? So we said yes to that. And I mean, Meraki for a small to medium sized business sells itself pretty quickly. Yeah. It's, everything is very simple. Look, our course on CBT nuggets on Meraki is like four hours, like for the whole thing, wow. for the whole suite wow. of products, because there's just, there's just nothing. Four to hours it. Like and it's you're just, done. That's crazy. L, like LACP is like, like lag LACP is just a checkbox. So I mean, <laughs> like how, how do you record a whole lot of content on that? You just can't. So, you just hit a checkbox and you're done. Right. So, so, I gotcha. so I mean that when it came to networking, that was a proof of concept. Now, Server, SAN, storage, like there were lots of proof of concepts going on there. Um, security and uh, the security side of MSP, security as a service offerings, um, did some proof of concepts with them too. My favorite proof of concept was pure storage. I'll tell you that right now. Okay, was, let's hear uh, this. Just a, that was a fun toy. To, I mean, pure storage, like just obnoxiously fast storage huge amounts of storage, like terabytes or petabytes of SSD or NVMe storage. And the appliances look cool too, right? They glow they orange. So that they way, do. like you walk into the data center, it's the first thing you see and you're like, oh yeah, what's that thing? I got to have one of those. Your eyes pop, um, you know, your eyes go, whoa, right, what's uh, this? Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. Hey, wait a minute. That's, that's really cool. Um, you know, easy to deploy. 
uh, blazing fast. They Their sales engineer team will help you and walk you through the deployment process, even though there's not much to it. It's really just, you know, uh, create an iSCSI line, connect to it, make the, the MTU as big as you can humanly do it, and throw your workloads at it. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's not unlike an Equalogic or anything like that, but... Uh, you know, it's beautiful GUI, lots of great dashboarding, cool backup uh, solutions to it. I mean, I just, that was a cool proof of concept. So, you know, lots of times when you're an MSP and you've got, you know, a couple hundred clients or something, the vendors come to you and you get to pick which ones you want to work with. So um, you also go to conferences like SQL Saturday, you know, pure Ooh. storage is going to be there or the, the other people, the other vendors who are competing with them are going to be there. And you pick up their business card and tell them what you do and like say, hey, we'd love to set up a proof of concept. They'll come and install it in the rack for you. So uh, it's, you know, it's uh, just being involved in the community. You'll find ways to get proof of concepts. Oh, yes, for sure. You know, I remember getting a few proof of concepts of like WAN optimizations years ago at a SaaS company I worked at. And like you had every vendor there doing a proof of concept and you had licenses and you had the equipment. And, and we did like a bake-off and we actually did like metrics of how well the WAN optimization did for each of those vendors um, and I won't go into the details of which one we chose so that's not but, uh, <laughs> but it was just an interesting situation right POCs like proof of concepts to validate what you're purchasing and, and validate it's going to work in your situations you have you know and that situation yep. for WAN optimization you know we're talking about the US um, Northeast US so like uh, Massachusetts area or New Hampshire area and traffic going from there to, to um, Australia and how do, you, how do you handle that and reduce the latency and and make sure it's uh, the traffic's there on time, and and people can leverage that traffic as they need to. Um, and so that was the situation we had there. Um, that's cool. Yeah, yeah. It's, <laughs> it's you know again, that's just the different situations, right? So, um, how about competing priorities? Do you have any competing priorities? I didn't pronounce that word correctly. I don't know what I did there. <laughs> I like threw extra R's and priorities, but um, you know, uh, you know, as network engineers, I, I would say I think we have competing priorities at times. You know, and and some of those priorities might be business priorities or or IT priorities. I'm thinking cost and and you know, building out new things for the business to make money. All those things. How do you yeah. think as a network engineer that people should handle those those situations? Yeah. So I mean, again, it kind of comes back to your role in the business. When I was at the MSP. My top priority when I was designing solutions or recommending solutions was going to be was mostly focused around how do we support this moving forward? Because if I were to throw out like a really complex, like let's say a CCIE level solution, who else in the MSP could possibly support it? Yeah. Maybe nobody. Yep. And the problem then becomes like, well, I do another CCIE level solution, then another CCIE level solution, then another CCIE level solution. I got five of these master solutions out there. Only one of them can have my attention at a time. The other four are calling. Who picks up the phone and what experience do they get? We're losing clients. So simplicity uh, overall else was key for me whenever I was developing something, uh, a solution. Um, and then reliability was number two. And then security was also in the matrix somewhere there. Um, cost was always going to be an issue because with small clients, budget is everything. Uh, and they can't yeah. always deploy it. But, you know, going back to the MSP thing, like MSPs typically, not always, but typically bill by the hour. Uh, so the simpler the solution, the less work you have to put forward just to supporting it. And that, you know, ended up being a lower cost for clients too. Um, 
I will always, always, always opt. And this is just like my personality, not in work, but in all things. I will take uh, simplicity and convenience over cost any day of the week. Um, you know, I'll pay the, the $5 grocery delivery fee to have them do the shopping and bring it to me <laughs> yep. rather than me go out and get my car. That's what I'm talking about. So, I, you know, there are those competing priorities. And when you've got 200 clients, every client has a completely different priority from the next one. Uh, some of them have more money than they know what to do with. So they're just like, give us the best thing we can do. Uh, even if it's complicated, uh, others are like, you know, very, very tight. So we have to come up with, you know, a Frankenstein solution that's going to be harder to support moving forward. Um, finding that balance is what makes you a master <laughs> architect, designer, network engineer, I guess. Master I Jedi. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> so I'm a big, I mean, you probably already know now. My dog's name is Obi. One of our cats' names is Yoda. Um, I'm a big Jedi, you know, Star Wars fan. So, same. Uh, yeah. Okay, good. I wasn't sure. I wasn't, I didn't see anything in the background on the camera, you know. So, uh, well, they're up here. You oh, can't okay. See I can't see them. Yeah. So, just, yeah, oh, there we go. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. Was, uh, I think I, before we started recording, I was telling you, um, you know, I got these Lego sets behind me. My son put the Yoda one together. Um, actually, he put the, the X Wing together too, that's over here on the other side. And then right behind me is a Star Destroyer. It's a 3D puzzle, not a not a, a Lego set. It's a 3D puzzle that we're putting together. And it's taken us That's a while, cool. honestly. So all about the Star Wars stuff. But yeah, I mean, <laughs> in the situation there, why I brought it up is that you really have to become a master almost, right? Like that's... That's really the situation, and um, I think you bring a lot yeah. of great points to that whole competing priorities. And in, in MSP specifically, you have multiple customers, right? And each one has a different priority, right? Um, it's very similar to being at a, a partner um, yeah. or a VAR or, like, and I mean, my day job, I work at a vendor, right? Um, and even there, like, I have multiple customers, and they have competing priorities, and the temptation is to do a copy and paste mm -hmm. between one customer to the next. And then that gets lazy. It gets yes. sloppy. It gets unmaintainable because then the client's like not totally satisfied. So you have to tweak it. And now uh, this client has this solution, but it's a little bit different from that client. Like you just got to, you just got to pay attention to what the clients are really saying, really read the room. And even if it seems similar, you still have to design a unique solution every time and put forth that extra effort up front. That's going to pay that, dividends. Exactly. I like to just say you got to tailor it, right? You got to tailor the design mm -hmm. to the customer. I mean, you can't you can't cookie cutter it, right? You can start it as a template. Um, you can start your your design or your implementation plan or whatever it is as a template, but you yep. have to reserve the right to make changes with all the priorities yep. that that customer has. Um, and I call them business priorities, but whatever works for, for everyone else. And once you identify those business priorities, you know, you could change that design or that implementation very quickly. Go ahead. Sorry. Cool. Yeah. No, no, I, I was agreeing with you. 100%. Okay. Gotcha. <laughs> <laughs> I thought I was talking over you, so I wasn't sure. Um, yep. So then here, here's, I think, something in your wheelhouse, right? And, and not something that I even sent to you or anything as an idea. But, you know, I think for you and what you do today, you train network engineers. Mm -hmm. um, I would say that is your your goal. And if it's not, then you can correct me, right? Um, so I'll, I'll give you that. You train network engineers. Is that is that your your kind of high level goal? The content that I have recorded for the last 14 months has been networking or networking related content. Um, I have done in the middle of it, I think just a few months ago, we released the Azure developer course, AZ204. 
I had previously recorded the last Azure developer course, AZ203. Wow. Um, I have covered the entire database, ex- the database estate. So SQL development, SQL administration, and business intelligence. I've done Power BI and Tableau training. It's actually where I began my career was in the data estate. Uh, I was a business intelligence architect and a SQL developer. Um, I stumbled into networking <laughs> uh, because um, I, I hated the network engineers that I worked with. I'm just going to be honest That's with you. Yeah. They, were, they were complete jerks. Uh, they were elitist. They had their engineer ended with with enge- or their title ended with engineer, and mine ended with specialist. So they thought they were better than me. So I was like, "Screw you guys! I'm going to learn in- networking, and then uh, we can actually work together. We yep. can actually yep. come together and be friends this way and talk about things." And it worked. Guess what? Uh, we ended up being friends, but they never gave me a position in networking, <laughs> so I left and went to the MSP. But still, like that's the the at least point you guys is, were friends. It, 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 well, yeah. So, I mean, like in that environment, there was it was a large environment. It was a global environment, uh, and there were huge silos between each department. And um, the database team, which I was a part of, just absolutely would not cooperate with the networking team. And the networking team had no interest in helping us or oh. teaching us what it was that they were trying to do. So uh, that's when you know I got a CBT Nuggets subscription and learned networking so that I could translate between the teams. That was that was how I ended up uh, doing all the networking stuff uh, way back in the day. Well, this so is... So fast gonna, forward a little bit. I'm going to cut you off. I'm sorry. Can I cut you off real quick? Because yeah. um, I was in the same situation, just not in the database team. I, um, I worked <laughs> at a SaaS company and I was on the networking team, but no one would talk to anyone, like the developers, the database team, the the QA team, the I mean anyone, any the server team, the VMware team. Mm-hmm. Everyone was siloed. And maybe that's mm-hmm. a, I just want to. That's a great point to make is that you know in these siloed environments you can't let that structure, I would say, hold you back from collaborating oh, yeah. and talking and being a team, right? Um, and yeah. I didn't. I really didn't mean to cut you off. I just wanted to make sure that point got across, right? That's. A, I think that's an extremely important point for all network engineers. Yeah, well, or all non-network engineers, yeah. like whatever your role is, just because that's your role doesn't mean that somebody else is doing something that you can't. So if you're a network engineer and you see these database people, that doesn't mean you can't learn SQL or you shouldn't learn SQL or the flip of it, which was my case. I was a SQL guy and an XML guy. I saw those network engineers over there, you know, speaking Greek or Japanese or whatever it was that they called networking. And then (laughs) I went and learned networking because I wanted to bridge that gap. Like there are ways that we can bridge gaps and, and come together. And that really is the essence of DevOps after all, which you know, we go back to mystifying the role of the network engineer. That's the entire point. It's literally the entire point is to bring it all together and then, you know, be it, make it secure and test it. So the way I got into networking with training and doing all the Cisco stuff that I've done in the last year. Uh, so I joined CBT Nuggets. I do a lot of business intelligence and database training for them. And then I do the Azure developer certification, which is all about how you develop an app that uses the different components in Azure. So you can break an application apart into like a hundred little bitty applications. And each of those little bitty applications can actually be hosted in Azure in a serverless way. Um, so that's that's kind of the entire point of that certification exam is to teach you about like, well, if you have this part of your app, you could actually use this in Azure and it will cost you one one hundredth of a penny per month. And you don't have to worry about the server or the patching or anything like that. You literally just point your data to the spot and it's done. 
Uh, and that's that's really the point of the Azure Developer Exam. So I, I, I'm coming out of, in CB2 Nuggets, I'm doing all of this developer stuff. But in the MSP world, I had my Network Plus, JNCIA, CCNA, CCNA Security, CMNA, uh, all of these certifi- all of these networking certifications. I was good at networking. So enter June 2019, Cisco announces the DevNet certification. Mm-hmm. So here I am with networking experience, and here I am with software development experience. It was like, I'm the guy. I'm the guy who has to teach this. Like, please pick me. And, you know, you saw that it worked out the way it worked out. Yeah. Uh, where I did a lot of, of the... DevNet certification. The, the the I'm going to be honest with you and a little vulnerable here. When we launched that course, a lot I, I felt like the community regarded me as an imposter. Um, I I kind of felt like uh, people who were network engineers in the Cisco world were looking at me like, who the heck is this guy? Like, what, what are you trying to come up in here and teach me about networking? So that's when I'm like, I'm going to stick with the networking thing again. Here we go again. Like, we're well, I'm going back into networking and I'm going to do a lot of networking training. So. Um, that's just kind of how it worked out. I did a lot of, um, I did some network automation training for the Encore. I taught the BGP section of our Inarsi course. Um, the SD access thing was, you know, at that point I had decided I was going to go for my CCIE. I did a live stream, uh, about the CCIE blueprint. And in that live stream, the community and myself, we all pointed to SD access and we said, that's a problem. That one right there is going to be yep. a problem because you have to know how to deploy an SD access fabric and there ain't no way to learn how to do that on your own right now. Uh, so I, you know, called up CBT Nuggets and I said, hey, uh, not Knox the trainer, Knox the learner here. I'm trying to go for my CCIE. We need to create an SD access course. We have the opportunity to do that. Um, so like two weeks later, an SD access box showed up on my front door <laughs> and it was like, all right, here we go. You That's know, crack awesome. The knuckles. We're, we're teaching SD access fabrics. Um then we did the SD WAN course. Uh, I'm recording DevCore right now, and I'm already signed up to record uh, for the ENS LD exam coming up. So, um, you know, there was a little bit of like I wanted to prove myself, to prove to the world that I am or could be a uh, robust network engineer uh, one day. On top of the fact that I can automate the heck out of your network and even use cloud technologies and advanced database architectures in the process too. So uh, that's how I ended up training network engineers it wasn't always like that it was it was kind of a uh you know a bit of a journey (laughs) no i think everything's a journey right i think that that's a key thing but i think that's awesome like um you took a lot of things that you were in and you made it work you learned you you bridged the gap as you said in a number of places Mm -hmm. and then and then you also had opportunities to shine and you took it right you took some opportunities that came to you that you saw hey i have these skill sets I should be the one doing these courses. Um, and that happened. And then you mentioned the SDA thing. Like, that's a huge gap, right? That blueprint came out. And I'm like, how are we going to actually do this? <laughs> like, yeah. like, uh, yeah. like, even like, like, I work at Cisco, right? That's my day job, right? I work at Cisco. And, you know, I have very little opportunity to lab out SDA, right? Like, that is just the case. Like, I don't have my own lab at home. I don't have the ability to just run DNA Center and 9Ks wherever I want, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, now, if I went and bought my own hardware, I could, right, on the side, and I could totally do that. Um, but yeah. you bring it up to, you know, CP Nuggets and saying, hey, we need an SDA course. That's awesome, right? Yep. That's huge. That's huge. And I did I did buy the switches and <laughs> the routers on my own. So I bought... 
Uh, to make that fabric come to life, I bought Cat 30, well, I bought Cat 3850s and Cat 3650s. Uh-huh. I never got the 3650s to work. Uh, so I bought more Cat 3850s. And for the routers, the Fusion routers, I bought ISR C1113s. There you go. Um, jumped on eBay, bought them all at, you know, used prices. Uh, they've got a trial license, which is good for 90 days. That was enough to make an SD-axis fabric come to life. So um, nice. they bought the appliance. I was too bashful to ask them to buy even more. So I bought that stuff on my own from eBay. Yeah, I would have done the same thing. Like they, I would have been in the same boat as you, man. Seriously, I would have been like, <laughs> they got me the appliance. That's the most expensive thing. I'll figure out everything else out, right? Oh, yeah, even exactly. if I had it on like CSRs or if I had to get my own hardware off eBay, I would have done the same thing. No, that, that is great. And, and I, I was asking the whole learning thing because I think it's a certain type of skill set to teach other people. And I, and I think that there's... If someone can learn from you and you can teach that technology, that that's not technology. That's the wrong word. I, want, I don't want to say technology. I want to say if you can teach that topic because it's never always mm-hmm. technology, right? If you're a teacher, if you're a mentor, a coach, a leader, a trainer, whatever term that best resonates with you, right? Mm-hmm. You're sharing information in a way that someone can learn it um, and they can ingest that information and they can immediately use it. And I think that is critical. So I, I, you know, I give you big props. I think that's awesome. I think you're doing a great job. Um, and I'm biased because I really like your content, but I think you're doing a great <laughs> job. So, um, and I, I can't wait to see what else you do. Seriously. Like I just can't wait. Um, yeah, I think you got a great, a great future doing all this content, all of it, courses and everything. Yeah. So thank you. I mean, I'll, I'll be honest, like this is, you know, it, 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 it is absolutely a dream job because at the end of the day, like I said this on the A1 podcast and it's worth repeating because I think it's really important. Like there are two kinds of trainers. There's the ones that train on the stuff that they know they've been doing it for 30 years. They're the masters of it. And that's why they train on that because they're the best in the biz at teaching, you know, whatever how that to is. Deploy yeah. OSPF or yep. what, yeah, exactly. Yep. And then there's like Cisco announces a new product. Nobody knows how to do it. That's, that's my comfort zone being uncomfortable. Like I want to be first uh, to yep. actually like get my hands on this new exciting thing and figure out how it works and then teach the world how to do it. That's that's the type of stuff where I get really, really excited about. So that's why DevNet was a huge deal for me. Recording DevCore right now, like today I recorded one of the blueprints uh, calls for like understand release packaging and dependency management. I think that's actually uh, what, the actual blueprint bullet point is and <laughs> word for word. <laughs> uh, yeah. I thought like, I'm pretty sure that's, it's, it's pretty close. It's like understand or explain the, the action verb is what's different, but it's release packagement and dependency management. And what that really means is like, if, if we've ever used Python before to just extend it a little bit, we use a pip install command and it pulls down flask or it pulls down NC client. So we can use netcomp. Uh, what this really is, is how you can build your own, package and send it to pip so other people can install it so you know this is one of those things where i'm like i could just explain it because that's what the action verb is it's just you know here's a whiteboard here's some bullet points you're good to go but wouldn't it be fun if we actually did it yeah i'm all about created a package yeah so that's so that's what we did and that's that's why i you know i think our content or you know the stuff that i've been doing is a little bit different um because Pressing the enter button and watching the light turn from blinking amber to blinking green is is a lot more fun than just watching a whiteboard. So, 
you know, that's that's what I did today. You yeah. know, I just sat down and I'm like, let's just word vomit into the mic and see if we can get something cool going. Uh, see, and that's that's what happened. I think that's <laughs> awesome because I think that brings like real content, right? Like it's it's real content and you're teaching at the same time. Um, I always like to do stuff like that too. Like, and you mentioned the un, uh, uncomfortable and I, I did a video. I don't even know if it was this week or last week. I did a video on YouTube about, em, I think it was like embrace the uncomfortable or something mm-hmm. along the uncomfortable, right? It's all about uncomfortable I remember situations. That. And the point behind that video was that you learn the most when you're uncomfortable, yep. right? Like if you want the biggest growth in whatever you're trying to achieve, go and find those uncomfortable situations. And this is the same situation, yep. right? You don't know this technology, right? Yep. But give yourself a month and you're going to be training training everyone else. You're going to be creating videos about that technology. Like that's huge. That's, a, that's exactly it. And that's also where I've seen the most growth in my career. Yeah. Like after every like major thing that I learned or every major certification I got, my career took some massive leap forward. So I think that's, you know, a big talking point. Like there is something to be said about being happy with who you are yep. and happy with where you are. And, you know, you've got a good work-life balance. You don't want to interrupt that. Like there's, it's okay to not like have this, like there's, you hop on social media and there's a lot of people like, like out there going like, you got to hustle, you got to grind, you better be studying all day long right now, get that certification and make that money, man. That you don't have to do that. But you know, if you do put forth a little bit of effort and a little bit being a little bit of uncomfortable, trying some new things, uh, doing a little bit of studying, maybe take an exam, you'll you'll probably see a return. Yes, like that, it will probably come back for you. Yeah, I, I agree with you. Like, you don't have to be uncomfortable. You don't have to strive for anything, right? If you're happy where you're at, like that's perfectly fine. Like that is a hundred percent. Okay. Right. If you have a happy life and you're okay with everything, great, great. And, and when I say things like, you know, be uncomfortable and you're going to have the best growth, right. That is literally because if you're shooting to make something happen, a goal, you're trying to achieve whatever it might be, right. Then that's how you do it. Right. That's how you do it quick. Not saying you're trying to rush it. it, Right. You're trying to learn as much as you can, as fast as you can. Yep. So you want to I say mean, something? I think you, I think you nailed it yeah. like that. That couldn't be it more. If you were trying to achieve a goal, yeah. uh, I, I often tell people like kids who are in college or coming out of college and are a little bit lost, you know, about what they should do. And they always have a get rich quick scheme, right? Yep. Like, oh, if you invest in Bitcoin or something like that, you know, you're going to be a billionaire next. Like there's, there's no such thing as a get rich quick no. scheme. But there is a get a really good career quick scheme, and that's get IT certifications. Yep. And then, you know, when you start on that journey in your first month or two or three, you're pretty freaking uncomfortable. But guess what? Like, there is a light at the end of that tunnel. There are dividends to be paid in the long run. And if you keep that momentum going, like, it doesn't slow down. Like, maybe you hit a little bit of a plateau. Yep. But it won't, it won't stop, and it won't go back down. Uh, you know, unless there's like a global pandemic that erupts <laughs> the know, economy, uh, but <laughs> COVID, COVID 19, <laughs> but um, like that's, I mean, and that's kind of been my story yeah. is like, I literally started from nothing selling insurance. I got my network plus, then I got my CCNA, then I got my CCNA security. Then I got my J and CIA. Then I got my Tableau desktop qualified associate. Then I got my MCP and secret wow. database administration. Then I got my MCSE. Then I got my CCNP. Then I got my DevNet associate, then DevNet professional. And like the journey just hasn't stopped over the last five years. And every single one, either quantitatively or qualitatively, my life improved. 
And it, it like, and that just goes back to like finding, I just found a good rhythm for me. I found a good way uh, to balance what I was doing or what I was trying to achieve with also my family responsibilities. Like, like that's a big thing. Like yeah. none of that stuff happened in a year or two. It happened over years. Yep. Um, but nonetheless, like there was, the, for me, I got an endorphin rush after learning something new and then doing it in the real world. Uh, that, that really was the paycheck, but then also there was a paycheck. So like, <laughs> it's like double paychecks, win, win. right? <laughs> That's awesome. Um, no, that, that I, there was so much I wanted to say there. And I have this type of personality where I forget what I wanted to say, because there's, there's like, I don't want to interrupt, right? I don't want to always interrupt. And so I'm like listening and I'm listening. I'm, I'm taking it all in. I'm sure everyone else is too. Right. And then I'm like, oh man, I wanted to say something and I just don't remember what it was. Um, and I always take a minute to try to figure it out when I'm not going to. That's why I'm rambling. So, um, but I'm real, right? I'm trying to be real and honest. I, th- I think the certifications are, are critical. I think what we just talked about is is key. Um, the one thing I would add is that you know, way it might have been like minute ten or minute fifteen or minute twenty, whenever it was, because we're probably close to an hour now. I'll look in a minute. Um, you said something about like network engineers being rude, um, not sharing information, right? And I think that is hypercritical that, not hypercritical, I keep saying that buzzword now. Um, I think that's important to identify that like 20 years ago, there was this this viewer perspective of network engineers that, like senior network engineers, that just, they were mean. They they And maybe mm-hmm. mean's not the right word, but that's what they were. They wouldn't mm-hmm. share information, right? You'd come up to them as a junior network engineer, or, you know, just starting out as a network admin, and you'd ask a whole bunch of questions. You're hungry, right? You're you you want to learn, and then you ask these questions, and that network engineer is like, "Yeah, no, not going to tell you, you know, not going to help I, you." I mean, I think you you literally verbatim explained the solution that that actually pushed me into networking. The person who sat next to me was also a database person. They fired off an email. Uh, I think to the systems engineering team or the networking team, I can't remember which one, asking a a fair question like, hey, what if we tried to do something like this with this server? And the reply she got back was no, period. (laughs) Wow. (sighs) Like, who talks like that? Yeah. So I literally, I, I hit reply, I'm CCing the manager, and I'm like, I need an explanation. Like, why not? This was a fair question. And like at that point, like I threw up my hands and I'm like, this dude, these people are not nice people. We need to change. And I, yes. and I felt like this is happening because we are not communicating well. They are using a technology that is truly unique to them. We are using a technology that's truly unique to us. And we are butting heads constantly. Someone has to be the bridge across these teams. Because like innocent as we were, we were trying and falling on our face uh, and then, you know, they were over there making fun of us for yep. it or, you know, responding with no period, like literally just two letters and a period. And, and I mean, I will never forget that my face was purple. I was <sighs> mad. No one should ever talk to another coworker like that. Uh, and you know, rather than, uh, I mean, I did want to walk over there and lambast that person, but they were working <laughs> from home. Um, so I'm like, fine, just, uh, you know, I'm going to start training. I'm going to learn what you do. Uh, and you know, we'll take it from there. Yeah. I, I, so, I mean, I, I guess, I guess my journey, you know, got started off on a bad foot. 
No, no. I think that's a situational, right? And I don't think that's a bad foot. That's just your bad foot, right? I think that's, it's happened to me. It wasn't like an email that said no, but like, I remember um, having my first network engineer role in a, in a corporate environment and going to that senior network engineer, that principal engineer, I don't know what role he was in at the time. And I was asking about something like it might've been like VTP or it might've been spanning tree, but it was something fairly basic. And he literally just looked at me and was like, yeah, I'm not helping you. And it it was something along those lines. I'm not remembering word for word. Right. But like, that's legit. And he was very rude about it. Like I wasn't good enough to have five minutes of his time. So he could explain something to me. And and I learned real quick. Like I'm always going to remember this. I'm always going to be humble and I'm always going to give back to everyone I can because this information isn't important. Like this information isn't governed. Like there's, the information, I guess that isn't important. What's important is sharing it and collaborating and being a good team player and helping people be successful. And, um, and I think that's honestly what's important in this career. Yep. And any career, any career. Yeah. Any career. Look at that. See, (laughs) well, well, I think, I think we did the thing. I think we did this. Um, so I'm going to, you know, um, let's wrap it up, man. Um, so some questions as we, as we kind of leave here, um, What's the one takeaway you want to give everyone? Be ready for change. Like for real, this this SD whatever, network automation, whatever, it's here. It's happening. People have seen the return on investment. And that's not to say that your job moving forward is going to be a Python developer. That's not the case. <laughs> you, it's you it's a myth. You will be a network right? engineer. Yeah. Um, it's, it's, it, you will still need to know the CLI. Here's the thing. You can write Python scripts that run commands against the CLI. And then, you know, they send the output to your Slack channel. Um, you know, you can jump into an iOS XE box now, write a Python script on it, and whenever an EEM applet triggers off, it runs the Python script. So if it detects that somebody, you know, junior admin A, logs in, shuts down loopback zero, it can fire off a Python script that posts to your Slack channel and says junior admin A has shut down loopback zero. Like this is, these are the types of things I like to tell people is that network automation isn't automating you out of a job. What automation really does is it integrates. It takes two platforms that weren't designed to talk together like Slack or Microsoft Teams or Dropbox and it integrates that with your router. And now those platforms can talk to each other. And that's really, really cool. Now we have ways to get proactive monitoring and, you know, problem resolution and, and all of this cool stuff. And that that revolution is here now. So my takeaway for people would be like, if you're if you're very comfortable with the command line, that's awesome. That's probably the biggest <laughs> part. You need you need to have that. Uh, but it may be time to get a little bit outside of your comfort zone again and start reading the book called Automate the Boring Stuff with Python. Um, from there, the creativity wheels will take over and you'll see the, the, the possibilities that can happen um, because that is, I've seen it myself. It is, it is real and it is fascinating and the return is colossal. And you know, from that competitive standpoint again, it's another way that you can separate yourself from the rest of the pack. So, um, you know, as uncomfortable as it may be to hear, uh, change is upon us in the best possible way, um, not in the worst possible way. It's not a doomsday scenario, uh, but, you know, get ready for it because uh, embrace the grind a little bit more. 
And if I take it one step further, uh, you know, this is some feedback that I'm hearing from a lot of people, especially in the community, when they first get into network automation. Uh, and they're like, I'm going to go straight into DevNet or DevCore or Inato, and it hits them in the face like a truck. <laughs> yeah. Because uh, really what this is like is it's really like starting your career all over again with a completely new technology. And that's the honest truth. You do have to learn fundamental Python. Then you do have to learn the fundamentals of what an API does and some of the inner workings of the HTTP protocol. And after that, then you can start automating your network devices. That could be like a three-month journey right there <laughs> before you even get to networking. So, and that's what it was for me. Let me be honest with yeah. you. Um, I, I knew, before DevNet, I knew very little Python. I mean, a tiny, tiny smidge because I was a .NET and JavaScript developer. So I knew a whole lot of C Sharp. I knew a whole lot of, of JavaScript. Didn't know very much Python at all. DevNet forced me into that, and I had to spend my first month just learning Python. Then I spent my second month just learning APIs and HTTP. And then in my third month, it was like, okay, now I'm ready to experience the Cisco Nexus side of things or the Meraki side of things. Um, so, you know, that's a lot of people think when they're starting network automation, they're just going to like week two, we're going to be, you know, on the RESTConf box. Not quite the case. So uh, embrace the grind. Um, know that it takes a little bit of extra time, but it's worth it. Well, you guys hit hurt first. Heard it first. Thanks, Knox, man. I appreciate it. This was a lot of fun, as always. Um, one last kind of general question for you: Where can everyone find you on the interwebs if they want to reach out, keep the conversation going? Where can they find you today? I would love to connect with all of you. There are a few places that I I, I will plug. Uh, the first one is CBT Nuggets. That's learn.gg forward slash data Knox. Uh, the next one, probably the easiest way to get in touch with me and start a dialogue is going to be Twitter. So that's uh, data underscore Knox for that one. Uh, YouTube, you can just search for data Knox. I'll be there. And of course, LinkedIn. So whichever platform you want to interact with, uh, feel free to reach out to me there. It can be LinkedIn. It can be Twitter. It can be YouTube or it could be straight on CBT Nuggets. Yeah, and I will have all of those links in our show notes today. And again, our show notes are going to be zigbits.tech slash 66. That was zigbits.tech slash 66. Hey, Knox, once again, thank you so much. I appreciate it. We're going to close out the show, buddy. Hey, friends, that's going to wrap up our show. If you have uh, any questions, comments, concerns, let us know. You can email me at zig at zigbits.tech. Of course, you can jump on those show notes um, and see all the content, all of Knox's links, and reach out to him and continue the conversation. Those show notes are at zigbits.tech slash 66. If you like today's show, let us know. Um, we got more content coming down for you. And until next time, bye for now.